Well, church, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. Just so honored to get to share God's word with you again today. We're starting a brand new message series, not just message series, though, a a church-wide study, really, uh, on this guy named Peter. Uh, He's one of the disciples of Jesus, and it's a really just intriguing life story that we can learn so much from. Um, like I said, it's, it's really not just a uh, message series, but a time we gather in groups. So if you're in a group, uh, your group will likely be doing this. If you're not in a group, you can just go to our events page there. Uh, you'll see a listing of groups. Uh, you don't even have to sign up. You can just show up, right? I don't care. That's great. Just do that. They won't make fun of you for procrastinating, I promise. If they do, tell me and uh, I'll, uh, I'll fight them. That's right. I'll fight them, right? That'll... That'll change nothing. But regardless, you can just show up to a group, and uh, we would love to have you join us uh, for this study. It's going to be a really powerful time. Uh, This disciple, Peter, he is somebody I think we can all relate to because he has moments where he is incredibly faithful, and God uses him in larger-than-life ways. And he has moments where he is an incredible failure, and he struggles, And he makes decisions that we all kind of say, wow, Peter, how'd you do that? And yet God uses him. And we realize that it's not about Peter's strength. It's about God's strength moving through Peter. So there's hope for normal, ordinary folks like you and me. And because sometimes when we talk about people in the Bible, we we get this misunderstanding. We say, oh, well, they're featured in the Bible. They must have been really, really good. Like, they're up here and I'm down here. God could not, no, wouldn't use me in that way. Peter's going to disprove that theory for us on a number of different occasions. Jesus had a really interesting plan when he came here to earth. He began his ministry, and he starts off, he picks 12 followers, 12 disciples who are going to follow him around. They're going to learn from him. They're going to hear his teachings, all these kind of things. Then he's going to die for our sins. He's going to rise on the third day. Soon after that, he will send into heaven. He'll send the promised Holy Spirit in power upon the believers, and he's going to entrust the whole mission to them. And there really was not that many of them at the time, and their resumes were kind of shaky at best. It was a really interesting plan that Jesus had, but this is what he did to change the world. He used ordinary, ordinary people. I'll prove it to you. We're going to talk about Peter's calling, but before we talk about his calling, let's just fast forward a little bit, okay, to that time after Jesus has risen from the dead, ascended into heaven. Peter has been preaching. Over 5,000 people have been added to the church in recent, recent days there, okay? And so the Jewish leaders, they're watching because they're really concerned because they were trying to kind of like stomp out this Jesus thing because they had had him crucified, but it's not working, In fact, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So they arrest Peter and John. They're trying to intimidate them. They're trying to stop them. Uh, They're trying to slow this thing down at very least. And when they put them on trial, here was the conclusion that the religious leaders came to. Acts 4.13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men. Say that with me, ordinary men with no special training in the Scripture. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Not coincidental, right? (laughs) Not coincidental at all. These were ordinary, average guys who were doing something, leading something that was clearly supernatural. 
They were doing miracles. They were preaching, and thousands of lives were being changed. This is not normal stuff, right? And so these ordinary folks are doing extraordinary supernatural things. It's interesting how, the, how this passage is translated. The thing you have to understand about Bible translators is they are polite people, right? They, they, they translate in polite ways, but that, that word ordinary, the original word in Greek is idiotai. Idiotai. You see what English word we get from this, right? They're literally calling them idiots. Like, these are your average idiots. We've put them on trial. We can see. There's nothing truly incredible about these guys. What is going on? They're average idiots who've been with Jesus. <laughs> now, we don't support name-calling here, okay? Don't get me wrong, but it's what the original text says, okay? And some of you are like, wow, the, the early church was led by idiots. Anderson Hills is a lot closer to the early church than I ever realized, right? <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But you know what? I don't think that's a, really a bad accusation, because Peter and John, they, they kind of were, right? They, they were normal idiots who actually believed what Jesus said. They actually believed that God is all-powerful, that God could and would move through them. So when God called them to speak, they did. When God called them to do miracles, they did. When God called them to suffer, they did. They just followed Jesus, they actually believed this stuff, and that's not a bad thing to be accused of, ordinary idiots who follow Jesus. I mean, look, when Jesus chose the disciples, He chose uneducated fishermen. He chose guys who had a bad temper. He chose tax collectors who were hated, right? Uh, who did He not call? He didn't call anybody from the religious establishment, nobody with formal religious training, no Pharisees, no Sadducees, no scribes, none of those guys. No, he chose the ordinary people of the world. God, my friends, God is looking for average idiots, you know? He really is. Praise God, right? That's why any of us get chosen, right? Now, now you need to have more more than just, you know, I don't mean just like idiots like these guys here, right? Like it takes more than just this, although this is impressive. Oh! <laughs> it, a little more than just that, right? Okay? That's a start, but it does take a little more than that. It takes some faith in Jesus, right? Okay? It's not just being an idiot. It takes faith in Jesus, but, but they're willing to follow him no matter what the personal cost. What if we could be a church like that, a church of people who take Jesus at his word, who follow him because of who he is and what he's done and his faithfulness? What if we could do that? Idiots who just want to give their whole life to Jesus. It's like if you've ever watched, um, if you've ever watched poker on TV, right, you know that like they'll look at the cards, right, and they'll take and they'll put in a couple of chips, right? And as the game goes on, right, if they feel their hand is strong, they'll put in a little bit more, right? But you've got some risk management here, right? You don't just go all, only idiots go all in at once, right? Well, what the disciples basically did that day is that Jesus, he, he, he calls them, and they say, yes, they were 
all in, and they didn't even look at the cards, right? <laughs> they didn't even look at the cards. They're like, yep, this is Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I mean, when Peter was called, if we go back to that story, Jesus is down by the sea. Uh, Peter, his name at this time is Simon, right? Jesus is later going to change that. I'll talk about that later in the message. So his name is Simon. He's a fisherman. Simon's had the worst night of fishing ever. He literally caught nothing, which the odds of that are incredibly low when you're a professional fisherman, right? It's like going to your job all day long, failing at absolutely everything you do, and getting paid zero, that's what had happened to Peter that night before. So when Jesus sees him, Peter is not in a good mood. He's had a terrible night of, of fishing, right, or not catching anything. He's putting the nets away, and Jesus is like, hey, Peter, what if you put the boat back out into some deeper water and try again? Now, this sounds like the kind of fishing advice you get from a carpenter, right? This is not good. This is not how they fish. They didn't fish in deep water. They fished in the shallow water. The nets were more effective there. Like, fine, Jesus said it. We'll, we'll go do it. We'll just kind of show you that's a bad idea. And they go out. They drop the nets in, and they're filled with fish. I mean, an overwhelming amount of fish, a miraculous catch of fish. You'd think that Peter would see this and say, wow, Jesus, this is amazing, right? We should, we should hang out more often. You're very good for business, right? Not Peter's response, though. Luke 5, 8, when Simon Peter realized what happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I am a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they caught, as were the others there with him. See, when you recognize how great and how holy God is, my own sinfulness and imperfections become incredibly large. The contrast is unreal, and Peter's like, Jesus, <laughs> thanks, but you need to leave. You, you don't realize who you're dealing with here. I'm not a great guy, okay? I'm not a great guy. You obviously are. You really you should leave. But Jesus, of course, disagreed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Wow. That's incredible. They're all in, all in right from the beginning here, right? We leave our boats and our nets. We leave our family business. We leave our family's expectations behind, probably disappointing mom and dad. We, we leave the, our source of income. We leave the skills that we have built up in our family generation after generation, most likely. We leave it all behind because of this proposition, I'll make you a fisher of people. What does that even mean? I don't know, but Jesus said it, and I'm in. That is some amazing faith. I, we understand now why the religious leaders would look at him like, these are your average idiots who were with Jesus. I don't know what to tell you. There's nothing really, it's really crazy what they did when you think about it. It's crazy what they're doing. It shouldn't even be happening. All we know is they're crazy. They were with Jesus. There you have it. God does amazing things when we fully surrender ourselves to His call. He really does. And, and God calls different people in different ways. I mean, every person is called to be a follower of Jesus. That's your primary call. 
Every person who walks this earth, God, Jesus came, he gave his life for you. He gave his life so that you can have life eternally, so that your sins can be forgiven, my sins can be forgiven, because Jesus is so good. Because he took my sins, the price I could not pay, he went to the cross, he died for me, he died for you. So that first calling is to say, yes, Jesus, I trust you as my Savior, the one who saves me from my sins, and I want you to be the Lord, the leader of my life. That's the first call. And if you haven't said yes to that yet, friend, let today be the day. I can tell you there is not a single more important decision that you will make in your life. Not a single one. There is nothing bigger that God has put you here for. You might be here and you're mentally in your to-do list and your afternoon stuff already. Just stop for a moment. There's nothing bigger in life than this decision. To say, Jesus, I can't pay the price for my sins on my own. I can't, I can't be good enough on my own to somehow balance out goods and bad. It's not how it works. I need you, and I trust you. Maybe you're at home today, and you realize, I haven't made that decision. Let today be the day. Let today be the day you make that decision. When we've said yes to that primary call, then Jesus has secondary calls for each of us, things that he calls us to, ways that he uses us. Your life can be a ministry for Jesus. And, and you might say, well, time out. Okay, I only know so much about the Bible. I get nervous praying in front of other people. Like, I, I, yeah, that's, let's leave that to the professionals, right? Like, that's, that's not for me, right? No, Jesus calls all of us in our own ways to serve him. And in fact, the amazing thing is that he uses us in spite of our weaknesses, sometimes even because of our weaknesses. The Bible says that we have this treasure, right, from God in, in clay jars, right? That's us, the clay, right? And we have this treasure from God that he trusts us with, with his good news, uh, us, these clay, fragile, breakable things. Why? To show that the power is from God not from us. Because if he thought it was from us, we'd all be boasting and bragging, look how great I am. Yeah, that's awesome. No, it's God's power working in us, not our own. And, and look, I, I know we've got folks here who are, you're, you're very talented, you're very capable, you're very respected in your, in your business or in your family or all these things. And if you're somebody who's incredibly capable, I have good news for you. God can still use you. <laughs> it's just he kind of tends to prepare or prefer the ordinary, normal folks among us, right? The underdogs, if you will. When you look at the disciples, that God uses them in incredible ways. So if you feel that you're very talented or you feel that you're very normal, God wants to use you. God doesn't call the prepared he prepares the called. I promise you that's true. <laughs> My whole life is an example of this. It's not that uh, God didn't look down and say, oh, John, he's got some great skills. We should really get him on our team. <laughs> no, not at all. Complete opposite of that, right? Complete opposite of that. It's like we could choose John because this will be proof that I, God, am powerful. <laughs> If I can somehow use that guy, right? I can remember I was, as a kid, 
I was super introverted, and I, no joke, I remember sitting in church. I had no interest in, like, Christian ministry, anything like that. So I can remember when the pastor would get up to speak. I remember sometimes, maybe this is weird, but sometimes I would feel nervous. And I felt nervous on the pastor's behalf because I thought, gosh, we ask him to do this, like, every week, right? What happens if he gets up there one Sunday and he's like, I don't have anything to say. I don't know. I, no words this Sunday. I'm out. I don't know. Some of you are like, I've been praying for that for years. <laughs> well, keep praying. Good luck. As you can tell, I've gotten over that problem, the <laughs> low words problem, that is. But I remember I was, I was 12 years old. And let me say first, some people are called to vocational ministry, and, and that's fine, but it's not, any, it's not any more special, I don't think, than any other calling that God has for you. We need Christian, uh, we need Christian stay-at-home parents. We need Christian doctors. We need Christian uh, tradesmen. We need Christian lawyers. We need fill in the blank. God uses all of us, right? Like me standing here is no more special than you being faithful to God in, in your job, okay? I strongly believe that. Um, when I was 12, I was at a Christian camp, and I remember the speaker, uh, he had been talking, it was last night at camp, he was talking about how God calls everybody, like I would said before, but he calls some people to vocational ministry. And again, I had thought nothing of that other than just fear. What a bad job to have, I thought. And um, that, as he was speaking, I just, I can't describe it other than saying I just felt the power of the Holy Spirit upon me. And I knew, I knew deep in my knower that that was me. I didn't want that to be true. <laughs> I just knew that it was true. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't mad about it, but I just knew deep down inside. I had never experienced anything like that in my life. And, and some people have those moments. We call them like burning bush kind of moments, like Moses. Other people, it's more of a gradual process. One is not really better than the other. God can call you however God wants to call you. I had somebody after the 8.30 service this morning, they said they had one of those moments in the service. He said, I just knew that God was calling me to go on the Mexico trip next year. I just know it. I never thought about it before. I just, God just said, you're going, right? Wow. <laughs> Praise God. That's awesome. God can do that. Or God can work more slowly and subtly, just as valid. But that night after that service, he had, um, he had prayed for those of us who were feeling that. And I remember I was so overwhelmed with emotion. And, and I went out and I walked on this, this dirt road at this camp that's a little hard to see. But that's like the most basic of Illinois camps that you can imagine, right? The middle of a cornfield, no surprise. And so I walk on this dirt road through the middle of a cornfield. I remember just, just crying and, and just knowing that, this is, that God is saying, will you do this? Will you follow me? And I remember I just, I prayed this hymn that I knew that said, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be who you want me to be. And that was it. That yes and a series of other yeses is often what God's call looks like. And you may have moments that are really just you feel that power, or you may have moments that are more intellectual, or it may be more God speaking through somebody else. But if you say, Lord, would you take my life and, and use it? 
I don't want to hold the keys anymore. I want to trust you. I don't want to just do it my way. I want you to be my my Savior, but also my Lord, my leader. There are so many stories. I've heard many of your stories, and I know there's a lot I haven't heard, but so many stories around this room of people who have said yes, and God has used them. God has sometimes even shaped that yes in different ways as they've grown. Thanks be to God. And you know, I don't want to make it sound like there's like a moment of call and then everything is always up and to the right and simple and you get it all right from there on. You see through Peter's story, that's not the case actually. Peter often messes up. He's often sinful. He sometimes fails Jesus in spectacularly rough ways. But God is the one who is faithful that when we say yes, and then when we mess up, we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. You will get it wrong at times. The disciples got it wrong at times. Remember, they, they had this little game they liked to play. It was called, uh, who's the greatest disciple, right? And uh, they would try, Jesus, I surely must be your number one guy, right? I mean, look at the other 11. Wow. They didn't get it sometimes. And we fall into that nonsense too. Remember one time I shared with you about my previous church that when we got there, it was, it, was, it was in a difficult position. We had 18 months till bankruptcy. We made some hard decisions to downsize our staff radically so we could continue to go forward. And it was really rough season. I remember it was just kind of nonstop at that point because there was only a couple of us leading a pretty large place. And... Um, I remember I was kind of going nonstop, which isn't how you want to live, but it was what was needed in the moment. And um, we had a meeting of my little pastor's small group that was such a lifeline to me. Uh, pastor Mark Rowland was part of that group and others, and I just needed their wisdom and their support. I was like 20 years younger than <laughs> the next one up, and I needed their help a lot. And we were there, and, and I, was, I was learning and growing uh, through that. Um, one of them asked, he said, how many hours do you all work, right? It's like, oh, I don't want to answer this question, right? And uh, it, was, I, it, it was way too many, put it that way. And it was, of course, more than anybody else in the group because my church was way more of a mess than anybody else's church in the group at the time. And, um, and, then, and one of them asked, and he goes, well, John, how much, how much do you make? And I told him, and he goes, oh, man, that's less than any of my associates make. And it wasn't, like, mean or something like that. It was just observation. And so I was driving home that day. I had, like, a 90-minute drive home. And, you know, it was like the cartoons, the little devil character on your shoulder, right? (laughs) I had that happen, right? And I remember getting frustrated. I remember saying to God, God, what did I do to deserve this? Things were going fine at my last place. I didn't really want to, you know, whatever. I didn't really want to leave that. And I know it's from you, but why did you do this to me? I'm like the lowest paid guy per hour in our whole system, right? <laughs> did I do something bad here? Yeah, I'm embarrassed to even say that. It was like the Holy Spirit just like, bucket of cold water to the face. Like, who are you? When did you trade a a calling for a career path? 
when did you trade the, the love of the Lord for this, like, need for a lifestyle? When did you, when did you need status or ranking or this stuff? Man. And I remembered that 12-year-old version of me. He didn't care about any of that stuff. He just knew that Jesus called and he said, yes. Forgive me. Forgive us, God, for the times we get it wrong. We think that calling is about us somehow when it's really all about Jesus. Maybe you can think back to times in your life where God has called you and Maybe you're today, you're, you're walking that out really faithfully. Thanks be to God. Or maybe you'd say, you know, I've kind of gotten off track, and I've, I've, gotten, I've gotten a lot of stuff messed up here, and I, I, don't know, I don't know if God still even wants me part of the team. Well, let me tell you, friends, He never called you because of your competency. He never called you because of your capability. He didn't call you because Almighty God was in a pinch and really needed you to come through for Him. He called you for your sake. He called you because He loves you, cares about you, wants your life to matter in ways bigger than it ever would matter if you were left to your own accord. And yeah, that's all still true. That's all still true. He calls you, he loves you, and he wants you to say yes to him. It may seem kind of idiotic. It may seem like a blind yes, and, but yet when you put your life in the hands of Jesus, tell me, whose hands would you be better off in? Do you really think you're better off doing it your own way? So I can just speak for myself. I have not found that to be true. We're putting our lives in the hands of the one who literally gave his life for you and for me. The band can come forward now. That Jesus, he loves you so much that he would give himself for you. Not because you earned it or I earned it or deserved it, but because he is that good. Because just like as he met Peter that day, he sees us in our weakness, and yet he sees what we can be. You see, Jesus takes this guy named Simon. Simon means learner, listener. And he gives him a new name, and it means rock. Peter, you're going to be the rock on whom I build my church. It was really a prophetic name. I see in you, Peter, something that you don't see, nobody else sees, but I see it. So, Jesus, I pray that you would lead and that you would guide us, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would move in and through us, God, that right now as we celebrate and receive this sacrament together, God, that you would be present in very real ways. I pray that there may be those in this room that you are going to give special callings to at this time. 
Come, Holy Spirit. Do your work. What only you can do. We're not here to manufacture or create anything. We're just here to put our lives in your hands. Lord, there may be those who have said yes, but have really gotten off track. Would you call us back this morning? As we taste and see once again that you are good, that you are faithful, that you are worthy of all of our praise. Thank you, God. We need you, God. We need you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name.